Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Spock's beard, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hard. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Spock is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Zeta's cat, Kim Peck's cat, you have said enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are about to clear it, you can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series, we're coming to you on the streaming services now. We talk about the series. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that incredibly awesome theme song. That means it's time for Trek Talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and boy, have we got a busy but exciting show planned for you guys tonight. But first, I want to introduce my Trek experts. We'll start out with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing very well. Thank you very much. We're having a, uh, a nice little sort of springish day here. It's about 54 degrees, a little bit, little bit of clouds, but not too bad. And, man, I don't want to say too much because we got to fit a lot in tonight. Woo, go, Charles. Yeah, we do. And we also have Charles. Charles is out in Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Look at my watch. We hit about 60-something today, but it's been windy. The wind finally calmed down. I think we're going to break after our worst spell last week. Well, we we broke a record today. We hit 59, which is just just unheard of this time of year for us. Put on the shirt, the shorts, the T-shirts, open the windows. Just absolutely beautiful. It's like a spring day, but with snow on the ground. It's really weird. Um, anyways, guys, welcome to the show. Uh, we have 90,878 downloads of this podcast as of right now. And uh, that's just out. Just wow. Um, we're closing in on 100,000 thanks to you guys. So that's just awesome. You can head over to blogtalkradio.com backslash talking. Give us a like, give us a follow, and that way you'll never miss a show. You'll get email updates every time we put out a show. So check that out. Our Facebook page is doing equally as well. We have 84,515 followers on our Facebook page. So thank you so much. And you can find us there at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out, and you'll find us there. When you do that, at the top of the page, you will see the Live Long and Prosper symbol, which everybody who watches Star Trek knows. Spock flashes it every other episode. Anyways, you'll see that. All you need to do is tell us where you're listening from. And every week, I pick 15 key listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means your name is going to be featured on a future fan shout-out. So, you want to tune in. But before we get to the fan shout outs, I do want to let you know that we are going to be continuing our Star Trek wines coverage with our fireside chat two with Eric and Paul and uh, Craig Spurrier from the Star Trek wines collection is going to be joining us as well. And immediately following that, 
we're going to have Rob Perlman, and he's going to be talking with us about the Book of Grudge. And the first caller at 646-668-2433 will win a copy of the Book of Grudge. I've got it right here in my little pause. It would be perfect for you. So give us a call at 646-668-2433 and take this off my pause. Okay, so bear that in mind. But that's not all. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery All In, which was last week's episode. And we have some news to share with you on Star Trek Four. That's right, Star Trek Four. JJ and the gang, you want to stay tuned for that. Gene Roddenberry and Major Barrett together again and a Star Trek legend remembered. All this and so much more. But first, let's go to our fan shout-outs. Eric, what's going on with our fan shout-outs tonight? Uh, we are heading first to the cradle of Western civilization. Julie Seng Kasuli is saying hello from Greece in Europe. She sends us a Greece, a Greece flag and a little live long and prosper symbol. So hello and live long and prosper to you, Julie, and thank you for listening to the podcast. We're also saying hello and a big thank you to Gloria Guerrero way down in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Ah, one of those places I've always wanted to go. Thank you, Gloria, for listening to us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We're also saying hello and send out a big thank you to Mina Akko. She says, hi, I'm from Finland, Vanta. I'm not sure what that means. I didn't get a chance to look it up, but uh, maybe Vanta. Oh, no, that's the name of a city, perhaps. So Mina Akko from Vanta, Finland, thank you for listening to us. We're also saying hello to Laszlo Negi from Seged, Hungary. Hello, Laszlo, and thank you for listening to us. And Clement Gui. Hello to you, way out in Yvelines, France. Live long and prosper. Clement, thank you for listening. Charles, who would you like to say hello to this week? Let's start off with Kevin Crutry from Columbus, Ohio. Jordan Smith from Nova Scotia, Canada. Tossin, Louise Thompson from Oklahoma. John Burke from Liverpool, UK, United Kingdom. Oh, I think we need some God, uh, famous music band that's partially started in Liverpool. Yeah, it was yeah, a the insects, the yeah. bugs, the butterflies, yeah. something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And Frank Forain from Leipzig. Leipzig, Germany. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jim, get anybody from New York? Not, not this week, no. But we do want to say hello and thank you to Sharon L. Stacy from New Hampshire. Live long and prosper. Hop, skip it, and jump from me. Uh, Deborah, uh, I got a, my glasses here. I can't read it. Whitethridge Douglas from San Diego, California, right here in the U.S. of A. Top fan Jeffrey Williams from Minnesota. We'd also like to say hello and thank you to Jared Francis, who's listening to us in New Zealand. And last but definitely not least, Alana Ford from Adelaide, South Australia. So that's our fan shout-outs, guys. And like I said, if you'd like to find yourself on a future fan shout-out, all you got to do is go to our Facebook page and tell us where you're listening from. Every week I pick 15 local listeners, and it could be you. But you can't win it if you're not in it. So head on over to our Facebook page, Trek Talk and Ambion, 
and say hello. Also, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And I have my grubby little paws on a nice copy of Star Trek Discovery Book of Grudge by Rob Perlman, who's going to be joining us a little later. I'd love to give that to you. But you have to give us a call at 646-668-2433 in order to win it. So please run to your phone and do that now. So we've got a lot going on tonight, guys. We're going to kind of keep the ball rolling along here. Uh, We do have a caller on the line right now. Let's see who we got. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hey, my name is David. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Hey, David, what's up, buddy? Good to have you with us, buddy. (laughs) Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So listen, guys, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about, I do mean. So um, don't touch your dial. I got to find my... uh, I got so much here, I can't find it all, believe it or not. There's a lot going on here. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, my God. There it is. So, listen, uh, we're going to have our Star Trek lines coming up next. Uh, Fireside chat with uh, with uh, Paul and Eric. Greg Spurrier from Star Trek Wines is going to be here to discuss the Star Trek wine collection. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. So, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about something we know you're going to love. Star Trek Wines. We've been following Star Trek Wines since they launched about four or five years ago. Every year they come out with two new and authentic products. Fans of the original series, Deep Space Nine, The Next Generation, and the new Picard series will recognize several of these amazing Star Trek Wines from each series. The entire Star Trek Wines collection celebrates some of Star Trek's most enduring legacies. Jean-Luc Picard, The Klingon Empire, Cardassian Culture, and the United Federation of Planets. Right now, Star Trek Wines is featuring its full collection, all six bottles in an interplanetary six-pack called the Full Armada, a must-have for any Star Trek fan. Over the next six weeks, we're going to sample and explore each wine and talk to the creators about how they put these wines together. These wines are rich in detail, including individually numbered bottles, hand-wax-dipped enclosures, 3D rendered bottles created from the original props used on the shows, and even a blue Chardonnay. Liner notes crafted by writer Una McCormick for historical accuracy are all part of the package. The elegant Chateau Picard Old World French Crew Bordeaux is produced by and imported from the real Chateau Picard in France. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sampling and reviewing the full collection, as well as looking into the newest wines just released in 2021. An Andorian Blue Special Reserve Chardonnay, which features a United Federation of Planets metal medallion, silk screen designs, and a stellar blue wine sought after throughout the galaxy. We'll also do a deep dive in the legendary Cardassian Canar, long considered one of the Holy Grail collectibles in the Star Trek universe. 
So join us as we go behind the scenes with the team behind Star Trek Wines. Welcome to the United Fermentation of Planets, where no glass has gone before. So, I can't help but notice. <laughs> what have you noticed? <laughs> it seems we have two new friends with us today. Oh, my goodness. Well, if you turn your back for five minutes, sometimes somebody will just beam down, right? That's the problem with transporter technology. It's like you can get ambushed. Absolutely. So, yes, we have a couple of visitors joining us here today uh, thematically. They look like they are ready for a fancy banquet. We have um, Picard in his dress banquet uniform. That is correct, sir. It is dress, dress regalia. That's right. And he is accompanied by uh, Admiral... I was Ross, wondering if not, that would... It's not Ross, it's not a chair, it's not uh, Sakamura or Nakamura. Uh, it might be somebody who's not normally an admiral would be your clue. This is At not, least not an admiral now, in the here and is, now of our current a, time. This is not Admiral Riker, is it? It is Admiral Riker. Is it Riker. Admiral Riker from that, the future? Right, that is from Best of Both Worlds Riker from the future, where he's kind of turned into a bearded, crotchety, uh, you know, guy who maybe could use more prunes in his diet, seems to be the impression I get, right? He's just kind of not so... He's got a grudge and resentful... He's yeah. not happy. I see it now. I was not looking closely. He clearly is wearing the future badge, yeah. which would have given me a clue that it was Riker and not some other weird gray admiral uh, you know, that I couldn't remember. Well, uh, today, thanks to these, uh, thanks to having these guys here with us, we've got the, the very amazing-looking bottle of um, United Federation of Planets Special Reserve Sauvignon Blanc. And... Um, this bottle's it's really beautiful. It's tall, it's narrow, sort of tapers from the bottom as it goes to the top and has this kind of inverted sort of cone shape to it. And as I understand, it was made as a companion bottle to the Old Vine Zinn, which has a similar shape but is a square in plan instead of a circle. Yeah, interesting, interesting. But they do look super complimentary when you see them together, right? They're like, they look like they've got a lot of heft to them. I mean, they look beautifully crafted. I mean, I have to say, I mean, that's a, this dynamic uh, look to both the bottles. I mean, all their stuff mm -hmm. has been just dynamic like that. Very attention-getting, um, strong theme to it. But, uh, you know, when you said, okay, we're going to go to the United Federation of Planets today, what better accompaniment than to have, you know, folks in their Federation best? So we're outside where white wine is typically drank, right? Outside. It's the way it Very should be. Very often. It's summery. It's the way it uh, should a be. a different vibe here. So excited to check this out and uh, see if it's like uh, what you would expect from a Sauvignon Blanc. So I'm, I'm curious about that. So each bottle of Special Reserve Sauvignon Blanc has, is individually numbered. Oh, so wow. So we got bottle number 10,132. Not number 1701? No. Oh, too bad. That's probably the, that's like the holy grail yeah. right there. <laughs> oh wow, that would be cool. Yeah, someone's keeping that for themselves. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it says on the back here uh, that this is a California wine. It says uh, the United Federation of Planets Sauvignon Blanc, founded in 2161 by an alliance of humans, Vulcans, Andorians, and Tellurites, the United Federation of Planets has long recognized the core principles of mutual cooperation and the idea that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. 
crafted by our intergalactic sommelier and designed to please the palates of multiple planets, this elegant Sauvignon Blanc was created especially for diplomatic banquets, Federation Council gatherings, and planetary assemblies. Grapes used for this interstellar Federation wine were sourced from vines along rolling hillsides overlooking the oceans on planet Earth. Florals, similar to those founded on Rises Surrey Bay, flavors of elegant tropical fruits and white peach burst forth with a refined acidity that balances the ripe citrus aromas. This wine pays homage to the history and mission of the Federation, a dream that became a reality and spread throughout the stars. Wow. Wow. Some fine penmanship going on there. That is super cool. Outstanding. (laughs) Shall we? Let's. This one does not have the thick sheet of wax to cut through. Again, we're going for injury-free here. That's right. So far, so good. Got the foil off. But you do have Uh, a markation there. Yeah, there's a Federation emblem on the top of the cork. And you can actually see it wrapped around through the glass there. Oh, nice. StarTrekWines.com. Very cool. That's pretty cool. All right, here we go. Probably is going to have some herbaceous qualities to it, I'm guessing. And it's going to probably be, probably a little bit dry. Okay. But typically, but you don't know. Is this Sauvignon Blanc typically kind of a drier? It's typically going to be drier than, say, uh, a Chardonnay. Okay. Right? It typically be a Chardonnay. It's going to be, uh, have a little bit more uh, acidic characteristic to it, a little bit drier. Um, it should have less sugar content. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Interesting. As, well, so. as opposed to like a, like a Pinot Gris or something. Right. Is, uh, uh-huh. It's going to be a little fruitier. Okay. Typically. Uh, Ooh, Chardonnay. I just smelled it with the wind sort of lofted some Ooh, scent excellent. over to me. That was nice. That bodes well. So, fun fact for the language from like, I think it's the Loire where uh, Sauvignon Blanc originates uh, in France. Um, Sauvignon, right, is from the French word sauvage, meaning savage, oh. right? And Blanc, of course, white. white. So kind of more earthy, robust, <sighs> savage white, which I kind of is an oxymoron, really. So wow. meaning to be a little bit earthier, uh, uh, you know, I think more accessible. Okay. Uh, more of a popular table wine, I think, is how Sauvignon Blanc has come to be, though uh, I think it seems like, uh, at least in modern society Chardonnay's kind of supplanted it but as far as like easy drinking clean crisp uh, often described in grassy tones as uh-huh. a Sauvignon Blanc right okay. there right that sounds um, like a white I could and it'll typically be I don't know about this one but uh, very often uh, to keep it that clean acidic flavor though it'll be something that's aged in like stainless steel as opposed to oak oh interesting yeah so usually so it doesn't get too earthy yeah so it'll maintain that dryness and that crispness okay so. cheers Pear is the first thing I'm getting. I'm mm. getting a real good, very specific hint of pear. Mm-hmm. Oh, after yeah, about ten seconds yeah. after I took the sip, it sort of started sinking in. A my little tongue. bit more buttery than I would have expected, and yeah. I think this is going to be one of those ones that changes as it's open. As it's open a little bit, but uh, so it might not be initially as dry as I would have thought it would have been. Not that that's bad at all. It's just different. It's got some good character to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm super it is. curious. 
Yeah, it's richer than I would have. A lot of times you get uh, kind of a lighter, mm-hmm. drier character yeah. to like a Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. This is actually nice and rich. Yeah, I like it. It's got. Uh, it's like if I'd been blind tasting cups. this and said, "Okay, Paul, what are you drinking?" Yeah, what would you? I expect? don't know if I'd have identified it as a Sauvignon Blanc. So does it remind you of something else, like another type of grape? A little bit more Pinot Grigio. A little Pinot Grigio. Yeah, because okay. there's a little bit more of that, you know, pear fruit than I would have expected uh-huh. for this. But again, it's just I got a, you know, disclaimer. Paul's way more of a fan of like red wines, and I don't drink white wines as often, so it's it's I'm kind of a little out of practice. <laughs> but no, I like it. I like it. I'm curious to see where it goes over time and uh, see how it goes. But I definitely get pear. Um, you can kind of see. I think white white wines have very often been matched up with uh, shellfish and seafood, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They definitely have a good fit together. It's like I can easily Salty picture. And- you can usually picture yourself having like some grilled swordfish, mm-hmm. or like uh, uh, you know, I'm you know lean into oysters pretty hard. So I can imagine having like some some either you know shucked oysters or fried oysters with this would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, it is nice and warm out. I know, man. It's like we're sitting out here and it's like there's a little breeze sort of cool things out, which is probably a good thing, but it's nice. This is good. And, curiously, it's been a few minutes. It's been, I'd say, about 35 minutes or so since we opened this Sauvignon Blanc, Mm -hmm. and I'm sensing some things that are a little bit different. Yeah. You know, I am. I think that the, uh, it's funny. It's, we had the same thing uh, I'm feeling uh, that occurred with the... uh, the blood wine yeah. last week, right? Where initially it was like, whoa, pow, it burst through the wall, right? Cinder blocks and dust flying everywhere. It was really uh, forward, and then it starts to calm down a little bit after it's been out for a while. And I feel like this is not quite so... Uh, it's, it's tasting drier to me now that it's been open a while. And I don't know if that's just my own brain, but I'm getting a little drier hit off of it now. The pearness that you were describing is all but gone, I think. I don't... I don't really sense it anymore, and I don't know if it's become because I've become desensitized to it or because it's not there anymore. So you're not sure if it's used to it or if it's subsided? Correct. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting I can't tell, but I, I don't notice it at all It anymore. doesn't seem as forward, though. No. Yeah. It definitely feels drier. I'm getting a little more of that acidic. It's kind of yes. puckering, kind yeah. of uh, pulling you in there now. That's right. And Hits me in the jowls. Like sadly, it's making me want oysters more than ever, <laughs> which is, I don't think I'll be satisfying that today, because I have a rule about only ordering oysters within five miles of the ocean. Way digressing, but boy, you know, this, I'm, we thought, oh, you're funny. You're like, well, you know, we don't have to do the whole couple of hours. We can just come over a few minutes, try a little of the wine. We're going to mow through this It's like, yeah, thing. it's like there's no, there's not But a it's chance. because, it's the combination of factors here because it is the day, it is the sun, it is the wine. Like, it's all, it's kind of a package, I feel like at the moment. I mean, that's why I keep drinking yeah. this right now because it just feels like. And it's good for me because it's really like I, I have been like so long the uh, red only red I only drink red mm-hmm. you know kind of that's fine and this is great it's a good reminder of how really pleasant and uh, enjoyable a good white wine can be refreshing yeah and it's great it's just like you could do this you have your oyster course you have your salads and everything like that and you're having a big meal you're negotiating a peace treaty with the uh, Ferengi or whatever it may be right and it's now it's time to 
open the reds, okay. and then you open up the zin yeah. at some point. I'm not. I don't think that's that happening comes, today. That comes later that's, in the meal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you know, you, you move into the heavier turf, right? right? I can totally see it. This goes with the salad course uh, and the and the early appetizers, and then absolutely. You know, but it's a great way to start and get your palate exercised, right? All those. Uh, Limbering up exercises at the gym. That's kind of what's going on with this guy. <laughs> and it may seem, folks, that we're not talking about wine as much as we could be right here, but I would argue you can't have a conversation like this without really good wine to you can't. be kind of a, a, a helium to help make your balloon go aloft, right? There you go. So, I'm, you know, this, the wine is, is still focal, dear. Focal? What? <laughs> Is that an engineering term, Scotty? It's the focal, it's the focal portion it's, of yeah. our conversation. <laughs> we have a really hard time not talking when we're in the same room, it seems. Yeah, it's so. the great lubricator yeah, of conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. So at this point, it looks like Paul has finished his glass. Yes, enthusiastically. I have I have a last couple sips here. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy these while you talk about this wine. I I feel like I've reclaimed a little bit of my enthusiasm for, uh, that's been dormant for white wine. So gotta thank the uh, producers of United Federation of Planets Sauvignon Blanc because this has really been terrific, and uh, it's done a good job of. Uh, reminding us of, of, of the great pleasures of uh, a good white wine, which is great because considering that like we're on the, the threshold of spring coming, a lot more opportunities to enjoy a good white wine. Yeah, it's true. And I, and I must admit that I was a little nervous about this wine, A, because Sauvignon Blanc is not just like one of my Pavlovian responses. I, you know, it just isn't one that I go, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to love this. And even in the preliminaries here, you were describing acidic. And I get terrible heartburn sometimes. And so I was a little nervous. This is not triggering anything for me right now. Good. It is sitting very well in my stomach. We've sat uh, here and enjoyed a bottle together. I know. A bottle together. And, um, and it was good all the way through. Yes. It, it did mellow out over time. That kind of, like, buttery richness to it was a through line all the way to the end, even though the fruit's kind of mellowed just a little bit. And, well, just the right amount of, like, pear fruit, because it's dry in the best possible sense. I just really enjoyed it, uh, and for a guy who, you know, uh, scoffs white wines every now and then, I'm impressed. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for coming over again. I really appreciate it. I, this, I, Like you said, these wines have been so good, um, and uh, thank you for bringing along Picard and future Riker. I feel like... Uh, in their dress uniforms, they were well appreciated here. There must be some kind of toy representation at every one of these, otherwise I feel like we failed. And we don't want that happening, so we want to make sure that there's good thematic representation happening. So, well done, man. Thank you for this. You bet. Thank Delighted. you. Delighted. So yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Well, I want to say thank you to Eric and Paul for their fireside chat number two. We'll have number three coming up next week. You guys can head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talk and Beyond, and you'll see an ad there for the Star Trek Wines collection, the full armada. And if you go to that link and you click on it, you can get a special 10% discount just from listening to Trek Talk. And so if you're interested in these wines, last week we talked about the Klingon blood wine. Uh, head on over there and get yourself a 10% discount and pick up the full armada. 
Right now we have with us one of the uh, representatives from the Star Trek Wines collection. He was with us last week as well, and he'll be with us for the next couple of weeks. And I'd like to introduce Craig Spurrier. How are you doing, Craig? Great. How are you guys this evening? We're doing pretty good. Pretty good. What did you think about the fireside chat? I, I thought it was excellent. You know, we um, really tried to over-deliver on, on the wines we put in these bottles. And, you know, the Sauvignon Blanc um, is a, a bridal that we chose based on the Star Trek community asking for a white complement to the Old Vine Zinn uh, United Federation of Planets. So you can serve both the red or the white at your uh, at your um, intergalactic uh, uh, banquet or dinners. Um, but uh, seriously, though, um, the the grapes come from the North Coast region of California, and our winemaker Andrew Nelson, who uh, just got rated um, top 40 under 40 from wine enthusiast, he's the top tastemaker. He uh, blended this Sauvignon Blanc, and North Coast in California is uh, has several microclimates, which this varietal does very well in. So it is very fruit forward, as you as you alluded to. You did taste the uh, the pear, and there is some apricot in there as well. So it is very well balanced Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and again, we we put premium. Um, wine in every bottle, so I'm glad the guys enjoyed it. Now, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the presentation. Now, Eric was describing the bottle to us. Um, what can you tell us about the bottle design? So we did take this design, and we did a nod towards the next generation uh, uniforms with that uh, just the slanted uh, label there. Um, using the United Federation of Planets seal on the front and the uh, Starfleet uh, seal on the back. Um, each one is uh, made with an, an, a gold embossed foil stamp, and uh, they're also individually numbered bottles. So every one is unique uh, and is great collector piece. Uh, we did keep the design um, uh, just like we did with the Old Vine Zinfandel. So the series will continue and has continued on with uh, our latest release, the um, and United Federation of Planets and Dorian Blue Chardonnay. So a very elegant design. And we're with the gold, oh, actually it's a silver foil stamp on the um, Savion Blanc. Um, is a great compliment to the United Federation Planet Planet's old vine Zinfandel. Now, Eric, uh, you have the bottle there in front of you. What can you tell us? Is it as impressive in person as it as it looks on the internet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really do like the design of the bottle. I I think about those two bottles. The this one and the old vine Zin is kind of like your. Um, like your favorite salt and pepper shakers, you know, they just really go together and you almost don't want to see them apart from one another. Like I was trying to describe in the, in the recording there, you know, the, the Sauvignon Blanc is a circular bottle. So it's like an inverted cone where it's small at the bottom and then larger at the top. And then the old Vine Zinn is like that, except it's a square 
shape. And so the two of them together do look really good. And of course, they're both super clear glass bottles. So then the color of the wine really shows through very nicely, which I think is kind of classy. And I think that's probably what makes them look really nice on a table is, um, you know, all you see, you don't see like a brown bottle or a green bottle. All you see is the wine and the cool label that's floating in front of the wine. So I I don't know. I thought you guys did a a really great job with these, Craig. I know um, it sounds like we're just kind of like, giving you all the props and maybe that's because you deserve them because honestly the the first two wines we've tried here have been outstanding like paul said um you sort of rekindled our our um enthusiasm in white wines and that's for two guys who like i literally never buy a bottle of white wine (laughs) and i feel like i would absolutely buy this one (laughs) oh great yeah and again we we take pride um you know, Andrew Nelson and I, we sort of have a competition on, because I, I do all the packaging, so I try to beat him uh, on the packaging line, and he tries to trump me on the over-delivering on the wine. So, oh, man, um, that's a good pairing. We have a little, yeah, we're a little <laughs> battle together, and in our tastings, when we sample um, the wine to make sure the flavor profile meets uh you know, our 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 community, the Star Trek community, we will make we we make sure that we're over delivering on on both the packaging and what's inside. Well, very nice job. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, it's been really fun to enjoy these first two bottles, and I'm I'm certainly looking forward to the next uh, the next four or two uh, over the next few weeks. Excellent. Um, I can't wait to, for next week to uh, talk about the next one. Um, and I'm not sure what you guys are going to be tasting uh, next week, but um, I'm trying to get our winemaker, Andrew Nelson, to be be part of the conversation so we can, we can take a deeper dive into the, the juice itself. Well, I'm particularly excited about next week. We are going to go uh, super fancy bottle next week. So uh, next week we've decided that we're going to review the Cardassian. Uh, I have been corrected on this, and you'll notice uh, if you listen to the full recording of Paul's and my conversation uh, this coming Sunday on Trek Talking, I, I mispronounce it, but I've been corrected at this point. The Cardassian Canar Red Wine Blend. Um, which comes in an extremely ridiculously fancy bottle that I can't wait to talk about uh, next week. There's a, there's a great, I've kind of read a few things on the internet. It uh, sounds like there's a great story behind it. So, um, so that'll be fun next week. Yeah, but that bottle took three years in, uh, in making. Um, we did, did forge that bottle ourselves, uh, created the mold at, uh, at a foundry in Italy. Um, but that's going to be that's an exciting story, uh, backstory on that one, um, as well as all of these. Each one, even the Savion Blanc has a story with, of itself. It, it was our second release um, with the Klingon blood wine, and you know when we create these wines, they're specifically made for these uh, planetary uh, dinners and banquets. We want to make sure that we're we're in universe uh, with with these bottles um, and, and and the labels and 
to make them the collector's items by individually labeling them. Um, so the community seems to really respond uh, well, and we're, we're keeping our standards high, um, as you will see with the, the Cardassian and Kanar next week. Excellent. Well, very much looking forward to it. Now, Craig, let me ask you, uh, what made you get – are you are you a Star Trek fan, or are you a wine fan, or are you both? Um, I'm both. As a, growing up, we watched Star Trek, but never got really into it until we started working with uh, CBS Viacom, or, or now it's Paramount Global. Um, but my background is in, uh, in packaging and industrial design. So as the chief innovation officer and partner here at Wines the Rock, um, I really take uh, great pride and interest in creating uh, a, a top-notch uh, package and products for the Star Trek community. There's such great, great people that are part of this community. Um, and then, you know, getting in with um, John Van Sitters and, and the folks that really are uh, the, at the forefront of Star Trek and working with that whole group really got me inspired to uh, create these really crazy, crazy bottles and designs for, for Star Trek. Um, so I'm becoming more and more of a fan every, every, every release. Um, so that's my backstory. Now, how closely, how closely do you actually work with the folks at Star Trek to get the authenticity of these products? We, we, every, you know, like I said, it takes us about a year or two years to get these, get, to get a product out in the, into the market. So we work with them um, hand in hand with all the details on making sure everything is canon, um, is authentic as, to, the, to the show, whether it's Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine or Next Gen. Um, we really go into detail with the prop masters, the creators of all the artwork, because they're supplying the artwork directly to us. Um, so we are spot on with authenticity. Wow, that is. That so I would is... say we're in we're in constant uh, conversations with um, with John Ben Sitters and uh, Marianne Cordery and the the prop masters um, to make sure we, we deliver a product that uh, is, is a show prop replica. Well, I've been very impressed with what I've seen so far. So you guys are doing a, an excellent job. Um, Charles, did you have a question? Did you want to ask uh, Craig about the Star Trek wines collection? <laughs> Thought about all the discussion of all the past series plus Picard how about Discovery? Especially, let's say, season three or four when they're in the future. Um, I'm sure we can, uh, we can add that to the collection. Um, we have two new ones coming up that um, we are going to bring the, the community along the ride as we, as we develop. Um, so you'll, 
you'll see the uh, we'll open we'll open the curtain a little bit on what we're doing for this year. Um, so maybe you'll see something that uh, falls within that realm. Sounds good. That's excellent. And Frank, um, where can fans go to to catch up with you guys? You any, where can they go to meet you? Are you going to be doing any appearances at any conventions? We will be in Chicago uh, April 7th through the 10th for the uh, Star Trek convention at McCormick Place. Um, so we will have a pretty large booth there. And we, we will be doing um, a tasting similar to what we did in Las Vegas last year. Um, so, you know, anyone coming to the show will have um, – the full lineup available for tasting at that at uh, in Chicago, and then we are also doing the uh, the convention. I think it's uh, Mission Fifty Six uh, in Las Vegas in August. Well, Charles, you can you can check that one out for us. You can be our our boots on the ground at that one. I'll have to see. Got to work it in my schedule at work, but I will try and make it part of that convention. It's good timing. I may definitely want to try going. Yes, and I think we we may look. We're looking at shore leave uh, in Hunt Valley, Maryland, in July as well. But I know we're we'll be in Chicago and and Las Vegas this year, definitely. Excellent. That's excellent. Huh. Now. Uh, there is a link that Heather sent me that fans can use on our Facebook page for um, is, is it 10%? Yeah, I think it's a 10% discount, right? Or is it free shipping? It's, I'm not. No, it's 10%. 10%, okay, right, okay. Yeah, 10% is what we're offering uh, for the all the listeners uh, today. So you guys can go uh, to our Facebook page. Truck Talking and Beyond, just spell that all out, and you'll see an ad on there for Star Trek The Full Amada. Just click on that and uh, pick what you want and take it from there. You get a 10% discount, which is awesome. So you can have some Klingon blood wine. Kapla! Absolutely. Okay. I got and, a quick uh, question to ask. Yeah, go ahead, David. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I just was wondering, um, for those who don't drink wine, do you just sell the bottle by itself? Uh, we we do have plans to sell the bottles uh, sometime in the future. We're not doing it just yet because there is a you know supply chain issue shortage that we're dealing with as the rest of the world is dealing with right now. So okay. um, as soon as the, we recover from that, we'll have some uh, bottles uh, for sale on the site. And we will be offering uh, – we do have uh, the wine stoppers we're going to be offer on the site as well, and then the medallion that is on the United Federation of Planets uh, Blue Chardonnay uh, will be offered for individual sale as well. And the cool thing about the medallion on the United Federation of Planets uh, Andorian Blue Chardonnay is that – it, it comes with an adhesive back, so you can turn, you know, your your coffee mug or your your Yeti mug or anything into a a Star Trek 
goblet or uh, vessel to drink your favorite uh, soft drink or, or, or liquid out of. Excellent. That, that is. I know the Klingon blood wine bottle is awesome. I've I've got I've got that one here. So thank you to Heather for supplying me with that. I really like it. Well, Greg, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight and talking about the Star Trek wines. We'll be back next week with Fireside Chat number three with Paul and Eric. And we'll have you back as well with us. Same bat time, same bat channel. And you guys make sure you head over to StarTrekWines.com and check out the full armada. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Craig. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Well, guys, we've talked about wine, and now we're going to talk about a cat. So uh, we still have a lot to talk about. I promise you, don't touch that dial. we got a great show. I still have a copy in my little pause right here of the Book of Grudge, and I'd like to give it to you. And the author of the book, Rob Perlman, is going to be joining us right after the break. So you can give us a call, you can talk to the author, and you can pick up a copy of the book. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call and talk to Rob Perlman. Pick up yourself a copy of Star Trek Discovery, The Book of Grudge. We'll be right back. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And welcome back, guys. The Book of Grudge is about the cat on Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek has seen its share of pets over the years. Spot, Data's cat, and Livington, Picard's lionfish, Porthos, prize beagle of Captain, late Admiral Archer from the Kelvin timeline. Scotty should be guilty. But there is only one queen. And, of course, I'm talking about Booker's cat, Grudge. She has her own book out. And right now we have on the line with us Rob Perlman, the author of Star Trek Discovery, the book of Grudge. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, we're doing pretty good. What's going on? Good. Oh, you know, the usual, just talking track. Yeah. What what could be more fun than that? (laughs) As one does. As one does. (laughs) As one does. Absolutely. So I got, I, I picked up, well, actually I didn't, um, Ian was nice enough to send me two copies of the book of grudge and, uh-huh. um, last week or was it last week? Well, anyways, we gave one copy away to Sharon Fagan Tidale from Ireland. She won a uh-huh. copy and I have a copy in my hand right now that I want to give away to one of our lucky listeners. So all you guys have to do is give us a call at 646 646- Six six eight two four three three. Not only will you win a copy, but you can talk to Rob in person. So give us a call and join the conversation. So Rob, Boy, that's just we we were lucky enough. It is you. You can't lose. <laughs> uh, we, well, a couple of weeks ago, we were lucky enough to have on on this show Noah Aberback Katz, who played uh, Rin the Andorian yeah. on Star Trek Discovery, and uh-huh. he acted in a few scenes with Grudge. And he told us that Grudge was a bit of a diva, that she hung out in her trailer and she 
didn't really come out unless she was needed on the set, and she was very much a diva. Um, what was your impression of Grudge? Well, you say diva like it's a bad thing. True. <laughs> <laughs> I it's mean, more like you know. she's a diva. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure Noah said it in the most uh, respectful and loving of ways, too. Yeah, he was he was absolutely awesome. I, I, he was incredible. <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was awesome, but in, in all honesty, he did talk a little bit how uh, she did not like to necessarily sit in anyone's lap. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, it's a long day. The lights are really hot. Can you blame her? <laughs> mm, not at all. <laughs> the smell of latex no. wafting through the air all, all day long? You. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, you know, boy. I think, um, I think like lots of Hollywood divas, uh, Grudge knows who she is and knows what she can get away with. And people treat her accordingly. Yeah. Now there's actually um there's actually two grudges, correct? Uh uh in real life, yeah. Sure <laughs> yeah, there, there's, we're stepping yeah, behind the curtain. Behind the curtain, right? There's actually there are uh, there's actually two cats that play grudge. Yeah, it's, right? it's a bit of an Olsen twin thing. And I believe they're both it, male too, aren't they? Technically I speaking? Be- I believe they are, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, grudges is she because that's our character mm-hmm. and that's who this book is yep. about. Yes. Right. Right. And where did you get the idea for the book of grudge? What's you idea? You know, I, I wish I could take sole credit for this one. Um, the good folks at Hero Collector were thinking of ideas uh, for discovery and I don't know who over there, I think my editor, Joe, may have, Mitch O'Born, may have come up with it. And they were like, well, who can we get to write a book about a cat? (laughs) And of course, I was the first name that came to mind. You know, I I guess uh, Oscar Wilde and Thoreau were busy at the time. Um, So they, the idea was, can you do something with grudge? Uh, and it took me about 15 minutes, and I'm like, well, I can't do anything with Grudge, but Grudge can do everything on her own. Um, and that's kind of how the, the book came to be formed, and we figured out what the content should be. Um, so I feel like, you know, when I'm writing anything, um, sometimes the, the story that you're trying to tell goes in directions that are surprising and, and that you wouldn't normally expect them to, but... I had a really clear idea about what this book was going to be <laughs> the minute I said yes to it. Now, you must be a cat person because you nailed a cat owner's life perfectly. So you must have be a cat person or own a cat, right? Uh, no. I am, no? I am definitely, definitely allergic to cats. Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Like serious, like hospital worthy, going to the emergency room. Whoa! <laughs> oh, because um, when I read when I read the book and there's there's the the part in there about wearing the mask, I thought it was like a, a uh, I thought it was a Star Trek Discovery like breathing mask. I didn't realize it was an allergy mask. Oh, oh no, it's just a neurotic Rob thing. <laughs> like, oh yeah, totally, totally. But you know, I think. Um, Although I can't get near a cat for more than three seconds, 
I can definitely appreciate a cat's attitude. Um, and lots of my friends have amazing cats. Um, some of them are very friendly. Some of them are very standoffish. So I, I appreciate the, uh, the relationship that people have to cats uh, and vice versa. But thank you for saying that. That makes me feel like I did a good job as a writer. <laughs> well, well yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I have a cat by the name of AJ. And anyone who's ever listened to this, we're live, of course. Right now we're live. There's no editing on this podcast. It's totally live. And anyone that's listened to this podcast in the past, um, I have a lot of run-ins with AJ. Because AJ likes <laughs> to be the center of attention all the time. And when mm-hmm. I lock him out of the room or I'm not paying attention to him, he'll jump on my keyboard, he'll jump on my head, grab my headset and run away with it. I mean, you'll hear him meowing in the background from time to time. And he needs to be the center of attention uh, constantly. And um, <laughs> when I was reading this book, I was thinking to myself, well, Rob must have a cat because this is how my cat acts. So I just naturally assumed that you had your own AJ running around. <laughs> nope, nope. I, I, I guess I'm just a, a brilliant writer. <laughs> you must be. <laughs> I'm so you just have so modest too. Natural cat insight. I think that's a thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it must be. Because so uh, Charles, you've got a cat too, right? I have Tara. You guys have heard her on occasion coming through. Yeah. She's out wandering. She came in, sat, then decided that it was too boring and left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, a I'll little bit you. of a warm weather before the sun goes down. I literally have to lock AJ out. And he sits at the door and he puts his paw under the door and he howls. You you, oh. you can't hear him right now, but he said, meow, meow, because he wants to come in and annoy me. <laughs> because that's just go. what he does. <laughs> but, you know, as a cat owner, and you mentioned it in your book, which is another wonderful fact, um, is that I don't own my cat. My cat owns me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, and you, you said it perfectly in the book. You know, the only reason why the cat, why AJ allows me to live in the house is to feed him <laughs> and play with yeah. him and pay attention yeah. to him. And all these things were expressed in your book through grudge. It's, uh, it's just a phenomenal book uh, for a cat yeah. owner. I'm, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> just incredible. Thanks. I think the some pictures... of those things are, are just incredibly universal. Uh, you know, if you're in proximity to a cat, they, they have their ideas. Uh, and they know their place in the world. So whether they're on a starship or in an apartment or in a house, uh, it's theirs. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you touch on everything in the book from Tilly's hair uh, to Michael yeah. Burnham moving on to the ship to Booker uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. uh, to Saru to Stamets. Um, you touch on yeah, Adira. Yep. You, you touch on grudges thoughts on everything, including black holes and nebulas, um, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it I really mean, is. You know, I, I, I wanted to make sure, um, because Grudge is so beloved by fandom, um, and she is such a standout character in the show, even though she is just being herself, really, I, I wanted to 
honor her, honor the, the creators and the writers of everything, and really give her, you know, give, give Rita the holistic 360 view of what she's thinking and why she's thinking it and how she's thinking it. So it, it just made sense to me that, you know, she's living on a starship in the middle of space. She's going to have opinions on humans and Andorians and black holes and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, did you have any idea that Grudge would be such a, a hit on the show when, when you first, when we were introduced to Grudge in, in the first place? Were you surprised that fandom latched on to this giant, main coon cat like they have did that surprise you <laughs> um you know I, I, nothing surprises me all that much about star trek fandom <laughs> anymore um I, I i love seeing what they latch onto i love seeing what they're surprised by um and that's always a, a, a really delightful surprise to me personally so i you know whenever i'm watching a a, a show or a movie, um, I'm always really interested in the side characters or that guy off to the left in the background, like what's his story. Um, so the, the fact that people were so interested in, you know, this non-human character to begin with, who wasn't just an alien, um, that was really great. That was really great and, for me. And, and I thought, yeah, she deserves a backstory just like everybody else. I like how in the book Grudge talks about uh, the universal translator and the way she gets around that is to not talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought, wow, that explains it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. don't talk. Mm-hmm. Let the humans do the talking. <laughs> Let them do the talking and all you need to do is raise an eyebrow or wag your tail a little bit and uh, the meaning is clear, I think. Absolutely. I, I, I love it. And I, I also I also like the book is full of colorful photos of, of Grudge doing various, various things, uh, which is great. And um, and there's yeah. some uh, haikus in there uh, mm-hmm. from Grudge as well, which is great. And Grudge's paw prints are all over the place. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> yes. I loved it. I loved it. As I said, I'm a cat owner. I, uh, when I when I got it in the mail, my wife and my daughter were the first ones to tear into it, and it's like, oh, Joe, order more Star Trek stuff. And then when they saw that it was the book of Grudge, I didn't even get to look at it till they were done because they uh-huh. just love Grudge. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, we you were know, really great. really lucky to get um, on set photographs that have never been seen before or published anywhere else. Um, so I, we thought that made the book something really special. It wasn't just like you could find those images online or, or on other pieces of merchandise or other books out there. So that's what makes it great. And we worked with an incredible illustrator named Walter Newton to do the original illustrations uh, that accompany all of the haiku. And, you know, I, gave, I usually give pretty, pretty clear art notes about what I think should be going on in the piece of art. Um, but Walter was just able in really simple and elegant illustrations just to, to elevate the, the poems uh, to really great levels. So it feels like a spread with a haiku on it. It feels very natural and organic to the art form, but also to grudge and Star Trek. 
Well, uh, before I turn it over to my co-host, there's just one more thing I want to mention, and that is uh, the cat lift. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> there's a there's a picture of the catlith in there, and I dress up as a Klingon and I have my own batlith, and I have a picture which uh, floats around on our Facebook page from time to time of my cat AJ laying on top of my batlith, giving me this look of "You want it? You come and get it." <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I post that on our Facebook page from time to time, uh, and when I saw the catlith, um. A drawing in the book, I immediately thought of my cat AJ laying on my my bat list, and I thought, oh, "Wow, good. Rob must know my cat because this book is all about AJ." <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a great book. Seemed like a cat list seemed like an easy one, but it was just it was too good to not include. We thought it's great, and if you if you guys want to get your hands on the book, just give us a call six four six. Six six eight two four three three. I've got my paws wrapped around it right now, and I'd love to drop it in the mail to you. So, Eric, did you have any questions or comments that you wanted to uh, talk to Rob about about the Book of Grudge? Well, I like Jim, of course, am greatly enjoying this book, but I'll. I just want to mention my three favorite pages, which actually all happen right in a row. I'm not sure I did that, but it's, <laughs> for, for me, it's really all about. So uh, those are the pages that start with one of my absolute favorite Picard quotes of all time, which I actually pull out all time in general conversation, but you've, you've grudged it. It's not a weakness. That is life with a cat. Right, (laughs) yeah. I wanted to give you support for that one because... (laughs) <laughs> you've captured the cat essence as well as the Picard essence in one page so <laughs> on that one <laughs> thank you thank you the very next page says bridge on box Ugh. and transition good enough that's all I had to thank say thank you yeah, yeah I thought that you know short and simple and sweet was probably the best way to, to talk about dogs and directly after that you have my Third favorite, uh, but might be number one favorite, is Grudge on Spot. I don't know her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you a person for loving that page? We actually have an ornament on our Christmas tree at the holidays with a picture of the couple that came with the ornament in it, and we've we've just made up the whole story about them. And why do I want to <laughs> And so I love, I love this idea that it would take time to write about Spot, having had no idea who Spot was. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I thought, what could be the most diva thing she could ever say? Totally. And I was like, totally. yep, that's it. That's it. I don't know her. Yeah. I don't know her. <laughs> so that's all I had to say, Jim. Thank you, Rob. Oh, no, thank you. That was great. That was great. And uh, Charles, as a fellow cat owner, uh, did you have anything you wanted to mention to Rob about the book? Oh, definitely. There are too many pages to go over that I love in it. But one of them is definitely time. Which it doesn't matter where in the universe you are, you should be on grudge time. (laughs) That's right. And yeah. another one that just came up and it's like, I've never thought about that. 
you, uh, you have a cat who decides to sit on your face. my table for people to look at because they, they don't know what it is. <laughs> you know? I mean, I was going to say, that's, the, that's where it really belongs. Is this on a coffee table or like, frankly, on the back of a toilet where you little, you know, <laughs> read material, you know, you just kind of pull the coffee out and enjoy it for five, ten minutes and uh, put it back. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or the back of a litter box. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, David, have you had a chance to did you want to ask Rob anything about the Book of Grudge, Dave? All I want to know is that did it have the reference of catnip in it? Um, yes, I I think, I, I think yeah. There's a catnip nebula, or there's a, a a nebula in there that references catnip uh, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, you know, some people go into Nebula looking for coffee, but Grudge would only go in if there was catnip in there. There we go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That is. So catnip is in there, David. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it's future catnip. It's future catnip, catnip in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's the whole is this where it the cat like, into a mechanical cat or something? It, it ferments with age. It's like a fine wine. It gets better exactly. as it gets older. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's the natural stuff. Uh, it's not replicated or anything. There you go. That's right. It's it's natural. Right. And uh, let right. me see. How about you, Nate? Did you want to ask Rob anything about the Book of Grudge? No. I guess not. Okay. Someone would play music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, let me see. And uh, we do have a caller. Let's see who we got. If I can get this thing to answer. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? 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 Here's Ray. Here's Ray. Hey, Ray, what's up? Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. It's been a long day, man. It's been a long day at work. A long day at work. I understand. Uh, yeah, I know. What's going on down but in the it's, Bronx? It's, you know, Bronx, it's, it, 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 it's 50 degrees outside right now, and I got cold. And everybody walking around the Bronx halfway naked, I swear to God. Wow. So well, you stay warm. You you stay warm. No, 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 no. You got cold right now again. But guys, I'm trying to, guys, give me a few minutes. Um, I I I got I got a quick a couple quick question to ask you. Okay, um, I okay I know yesterday was space season anniversary yesterday. I watched it. I watched it. I watched it. I watched it a long time, like that. 
but uh, and seen it with a pattern of force. It came on the same day as 1968. I want to know. It's like I, 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 I did some my research, and like, remember the episode was the Peter child when a horror uh, case occurred. I want, and, and then I remember um, they were banned, banned a couple of states about that. I mean, are they still banned about that? Yeah, it was banned. Um, it was banned in a lot of stations down in the Bible Belt, down south, I believe, when it originally aired. I um, like again, I wasn't alive yeah. at that time, but um, uh, yeah, that's alive. true. It was. It came out in, in November twenty twenty second, But I want to know: is it still banned? Still because it, because they've been out for a long time about that. Um. I, I I don't think that it's banned. I know I know there are some Star Trek episodes that are still banned overseas, but um, I'm pretty sure that it's not banned on any stations here in the U.S. Rob, are you? Am I correct, Rob? It is not banned anywhere in the U.S. Right. for sure. Yeah. Right. In fact, it's heralded as one of the best episodes ever and most mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Right. So um, okay, so okay, so okay, so so I'm gonna ask you another question. Um, I I I know that they're gonna find make a, another Star Trek uh, movie game with Chris Pine again. I, I found about it yesterday on Facebook about that too. That's that's what they're saying. They're saying that they're gonna start yeah. filming at the end of the year um, for a release next year, uh, but we don't have any information on it just yet, unless Rob's got some inside information. I have no information. No inf- even if I did, you'd have to put me in an agonizer booth to get it out of me. Mm-hmm. No, I'll lock you up with grudge. <laughs> please, 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 Okay, I'm not gonna do that to you. Like that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm not. I'm not doing it because I respect you. Don't say we don't need you like that, but I will respect you. And then, and he go, he goes up and question. You say you got a cat, right? Okay. I mean, it's only the way. Wait. You have the same cat for you know from Cat's Paw and a uh, time of Earth. <laughs> you, I'm. You know what? I'm not sure. Not sure. I'm not sure. Rob, was that the same cat in both episodes? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna put Rob on the spot. Yeah, right. like, right. He's our resident Rob, cat expert. Rob, 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 okay, come on now. You told me your cat now. Okay, I'm seeing it for half an hour. Because I said half an hour, and I had the postal man because because my mom called me. That postal man came back to you guys. So you told me your cat. So I'm trying to figure it is the same cat, the same cat, the black cat from Cat's Paw, and the time of Earth. And the, and the heat I'm, is on. I'm going to say <laughs> it's not the same cat. Okay. No, we don't know. I black. <laughs> yeah. It just seems that's like it good. would be, I think it would be too difficult. Because weren't those episodes in different seasons anyway? Yeah, I It could be. It could be. You are it right. It might be. I'm not sure. I'm not sure even. I'm not waiting to show even my soul because because I'm I'm not from Caspar, 
that cat got uh, like a little like uh, it was a, a gold diamond necklace around it, and then on one of the time of Earth, this one got like a little like a, like, like a brooch in a way. So I don't know. I mean, I can tell about the necklace, but uh, it, I mean, it, it, it could be two cats. So interesting fact: uh, Cat's Paw is season one of epi- of Earth the episode of season two. Is episode twenty six of season two. The book is Appreciate it and uh, stay warm down anytime. there in the Bronx, buddy. Well, anytime, anytime. I'll go back next week, man. Get, 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 get out, okay? Sounds All good. All right, take it easy, Ray. Bye bye. All right, then. All right, bye. All right. So that was a, I, I never thought of that. The cat from Cat's Paw was it the same cat as the Simon Earth? Season I two, I, unbelievable. I never even. I'm gonna like do a little research and. Look into that a little bit more. See if we can identify these cats. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, lot of cats, a lot of cats. So uh, uh, before we, before we cut Rob loose, does anybody have any other questions for Rob before we uh, move on to our next segment? No, I don't think so. Thanks, Rob. Thank you for, thank you All for right. a great book. Thank you for uh, you know just taking on the personality of Grudge for a little bit and kind of channeling her to us because I think that this val this book is going to bring a lot of value to people over time. It's just it's just fun to hold and read and stuff. So just nicely done. Oh great! Yeah, Thanks excellent so book. Thanks so much. Great job, hey, Robin. I, I hope you'll I hope you'll have me back for the the next Star Trek book. Woohoo! Are, uh, are you writing oh. another book, The Book of Grudge Part 2? Uh, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to give Grudge a, a rest for a little bit. Uh, no, we, the, the Star Trek Book of Friendship is coming out in a couple of months. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. uh, there also, there's a Book of Grudge comic book coming out, coming out as well. So Grudge is really making her rounds here. Everything's coming up, Grudge. And then coming up grudge and uh, absolutely. And I want to say, I want to make sure to say thank you to Ian for sending us those copies to give away to you guys. So thank you so much to Ian for making that possible for you guys to get your hands, your grubby paws on a copy of the book of grudge. Thank you, Ian. And thank you so much to Rob for taking time out of your busy schedule to Trek talk with us. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks so much guys. Talk to you soon. Take care. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, guys, uh, we're not done yet. we still got a lot of show. Coming up next, we have Star Trek birthdays, convention calendar, Star Trek news, and we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery All In, which was last week's episode. So don't touch that dial. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause 
to Chuck Yeager, uh, who we just lost uh, just a couple of years ago back in 2020. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday to actor Paul Comey, who played Lieutenant Stiles in TOS. Uh, he was in the episode Bounce Terror, of course, one of the most famous episodes of all time. Um, interestingly enough, he actually also appeared on The Twilight Zone the, uh, three times. Um, three great episodes, uh, People Are Alike All Over, The Odyssey of Flight 3, and The Parallel uh, Three very excellent episodes of Twilight Zone. So happy birthday to Paul Comey. I'm also saying happy birthday to Suzanne Oliver, uh, who played our original Vina back in the days of the cage. Uh, aired not sequentially, but later on, uh, she would become the precedent uh, for what we would see uh, in the Discovery era cage. Um, interesting fact about her as an actress, she actually wanted to direct an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, but she never got the chance. Um, I guess her, the response to that was that she didn't know enough about visual effects, and uh, despite that, um, she just was kind of never given a chance. So uh, it would have been cool to have her come back during the TNG days as a uh, director, but nonetheless, uh, Fantastic actress, uh, played not only Vina, but uh, was tested out. Uh, they tested out Orion makeup on her and all sorts of stuff. So uh, happy birthday to Suzanne Oliver. We're also saying happy birthday to Paul Sorensen, played the merchant captain in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Uh, he was, of course, in that movie. He's probably better known for his recurring television role uh, in Dallas from 1979 to 1986. So happy birthday to Paul Sorensen. We're also saying happy birthday to Meg Wiley, who played one of our original, uh, uh, not Andorians, I can't believe I said that. She played the keeper back in the cage. <laughs> um, she is the one that uh, whose voice is dubbed over, uh, and she plays uh, the androgynous keeper. She, This actress was actually born and grew up in the Philippines. Um, so she made her way back eventually uh, to be in the cage. So happy birthday to Meg Wiley. And finally, on our uh, list of remembrances this week, we have Richard Lynch, who played uh, the who played Baron in TNG's episode one through two. Uh, also played Barry Lynch in Face of the Enemy. Uh, I was just watching Gambit 1 and 2 the other day. I forgot how great those season 7 uh, episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation are. Um, and he, of course, played an integral role in that two-part episode. So happy birthday to actor Richard Lynch. Charles, birthday for folks who are still with us. What do you got? Uh, okay, I've got Henderson with Bunshot on my side. Let's start off with Sherry Drax Jackson who played Andrea in TOS's Where, What Are Little Girls Made Of? One of the few TOS, I only got a few TOS people in my list anymore. Frank uh, Collinson played Gull Ducat in TNG's Ensign Row. Uh, Deloc. Uh, Gull Ducat. Deloc. Deloc. Sorry, yeah, Deloc. Yeah. Yeah, Deloc. Dolak. Oh, sorry. Stephen Gregory played Jay Kirkland in TNG's Coming of Age. 
Elaine Bry played Dafar Carlton in TNG's Quality of Life. Phil Angelim played Varric uh, Morrell. Yeah, Morrell. And DS and Burrell in DS9. Ashley Hughes played Sabrina in Boys Endgame. Then Neil McDowell played Lieutenant Hawk in Star Trek First Contact. And then come my fun birthday. Let off a special out with Kirk Factor who was associate producer in Star Trek Four, But we don't remember him that way. We more remember him as the punk on the bus that Spock, had, Spock quieted. And the actuality of the song that played on the boombox was actually written by Kirk. He had some punk influences. I think he was part of a band at one point. And actually helped write the song that plays on that boombox. And I think uh, Jim got that sound right on hand. Ooh, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I think it's across the bay in Alameda. That's what I said, Alameda. Alameda. I know but that. But where is Alameda? Just where is our All right. Yeah. And then somebody that I've met personally, and Uncle Jim foaming at the mouth because he didn't get to meet him, but I got to meet the Bobby Clark, who played the Gorn in TOS's The Arena. And Bobby is a real friendly guy. He's fun to chat with. Andrew Robinson played a plain, simple tailor by the name of Garrick <laughs> in DS9. Oh, they didn't take Garrick far not enough. Not a flex carol. No, no, not at all. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, I would have loved to have seen a little more of the relationship between the true relationship I think they wanted to have between him and uh, Bashir. Bashir. Yeah, could have been beautiful. Yeah. And then happy birthday to our famous, famous director. I think, it's, I think he directed and did the PBS show Reading Re- Reading Rainbow? Oh, Star Trek! 
Oh, okay. I guess we can mention Jordy LaForge. He played a few episodes in TNG. Oh, Jordy's a fun person to chat with. Or to see. I've seen a couple of panels on him. In fact, one panel I got to see, he actually brought his visor with him. And literally, they oh. showing me the fact that they had to screw that visor on the side of his head. But, oh, that was an interesting, interesting costume item to have. Charles and I are a very excellent podcast called LeVar Burton Reads, where he reads you science fiction stories. Uh, every week, and of course, it's LeVar Burton, so you, you just, you're just like, ah, that's... You've got a new video out on YouTube that I won't talk about the topic, but I think it was a well-represented topic. I think Jim's got it on the Facebook page, if you're looking for it. Yeah, it's on there. So you can check it out. Definitely check happy out. birthday to LeVar Burton. Well, guys... I've got quite a few birthdays to cover on my list as well, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get started. We want to say happy birthday to Jade Jade and Nakata Ramsey who played Arcana and Saga in Picard's Et and Arcadia Ego Part One and Part Two. Happy birthday to Leslie Beavis who played Riage in DS9's The Broken Link, The Abandoned, and Homecoming. However, most fans would know her as Commander Zircon from Spaceballs. Happy birthday to Leslie Beavis. We'd like to say happy birthday to Michael Ensign, who played Dr. Oren in the Enterprise episode Stigmata, Tarkarian Bard in Voice False Prophets, Ambassador Logel in DS9, and the Forsaken, and Grawl in TNG's First Contact. So, excellent. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Christopher McDonald, who played Lieutenant Paul Castillo in TNG's Yesterday's Enterprise. Awesome memories, awesome episode, and uh, Tasha Yar's uh, love interest, maybe? I'm not sure how far that went before they got captured by the Romulans, but um, we'll never know. Um, We'd also like to say happy birthday to Stephen Manley, who played Spock at age 17 in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. And we'd also like to say happy birthday to Farin Tahir, who played Captain Richard Rabu in Star Trek 2009, the captain of the USS Kelvin. David Frackham, who played Dr. Lawrence Maverick in TOS, Is There No Truth in Beauty? And happy birthday to Nancy Youngblood, who played Kolana in DS9, Once More Onto the Breach, and Talen in Boys, the Displaced. And I always do the Klingons, and she played a great Klingon. You guys remember that's the episode where Kor mm-hmm. goes into battle one last time. And as the that's great right. Bahar master that he is, holds off an entire Jem'Hadar fleet by himself. And I tell you, Jim, that the attack contains not only all three of the Dahar masters, but it also contains a Kolana card that keeps you from putting one time token on any card uh, on your fleet. Extremely useful and played like crazy in Star Trek Attack Wing tournaments right now. Excellent. Excellent. 
And uh, I'm not done yet because I've got some good ones before we move on. Uh, Zach Galligan, who played David Gentry slash Species 8472 in the Voy episode In the Flesh. However, however, I think everybody knows him as Billy Peltzer from Gremlins. Um, I met him at a convention. I had him sign a Gremlins poster for me. He was a really cool guy. And um, another birthday that we have, which is today, matter of fact, Jerry O'Connell, who played Jack Ransom in LDS, but um, I think a lot of sci-fi fans know him from Sliders. And if you're an even older fan, such as myself, you might know him for a little movie that he made with Will Wheaton way back in 1986 called Stand By Me. And the last birthday on my list is another engineer, although not an engineer on the Enterprise D, uh, not an engineer from TNG, but an engineer on the Enterprise from the Kelvin Universe, Scotty himself, Simon Pegg. So that finishes up our birthdays, guys. And, uh, yeah, we're going to move ahead here. We're going to jump all the way up here. Um, uh, yes, we're going we're gonna to jump. We're going to jump. We're going to jump way up, way jump. up, way up. We're jumping way, way down. <laughs> all the way down to there. So, guys, uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery all in right now because we're just about time. We did have some good stories for Star Trek news, but we'll, we'll cover those next. We're going to talk about this episode right here. Whatever the cost, you think I'm too close to this? I believe that there is no one else who could possibly correct this path. How long do you need to build a weapon? 24 hours should do it. This will stop the DMA. No one else has to die. This isn't an easy mission, but it is critical that we succeed. Booker's outside Federation territory. Moving without a weapon, without a badge, without authority. And there may be a few surprises. Let's get to it. Time happens. If Booker and Tarka succeed, they risk provoking a highly advanced species capable of destroying us all. Before I get to say I was born ready. Something is coming. A life form. Whatever we think we know about species 10C, we're wrong. Dun, 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 dun. So you guys may have noticed that we just cut a huge section of the show out. We jumped right to the end. That's because we have just about a half an hour left. For that reason, we're going to start a Trek Talking 2. We're going to have an expanded show, and we're going to be doing that on Sundays. So uh, we'll have two Trek Talkers. We'll have our main show on Thursday and our overflow show on Sunday. And that's just because we're in the golden age of Star Trek right now, and there's so much news out there, so many things to talk about. So many cool guests that we can have on the podcast that we just don't have two hours is not enough time to fit it all in. So I apologize for cutting out the middle section, but I think we really need to talk about Star Trek Discovery all in. Every week I post on our Facebook page and I ask you guys, the fans, what you thought about the show. So on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the best, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about all in? 
What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? <laughs> Shannon, I'm calling from you... Kentucky. It's Shannon, how you doing, Shannon? <laughs> I'm good, and I'm glad that we have an overflow thing because my campaigning, I'm never going to be able to come regularly on Thursdays. So Sundays are awesome for me. <laughs> yeah, we just we just can't fit all the truck talking into two hours anymore. There was a time when two hours was a lot of time, and we had to stretch it, but now we're finding that. We just don't have the time, so uh, we're going to do a special so show. Trek. We're going to do two. So mm-hmm. uh, lots of Trek, which is good. And uh, we have another mm-hmm. caller on the line, I think. Uh, let me see. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? I think that might be Nate. Nate from <laughs> Vegas. I thought so. I recognize Nate's that good. number. <laughs> How you yeah. doing, Nate? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Speaking of overflow and so much Trek, I've been talking with Nate. We do have a periodical podcast that we do from time to time. We haven't done it in a while uh, called The War Room, where we talk about Star Trek gaming. Nate recently got me hooked on Star Trek Online, which I've been thoroughly enjoying. And I'm trying to work with Nate to maybe do a podcast on Star Trek Online for you guys. So we might have more than just one or two shows going on so keep your eyes posted on our facebook page for that as more information develops <laughs> so uh star trek discovery all in which was last week's episode our fans gave it a 7.8 and i think we're going to actually end up going over there's nothing we can do about it tonight guys so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um admiral vance now in this episode admiral vance supports president relic but then turns around in, in public, but then turns around and tells Burnham, hey, go do what you do best and chase down Booker, um, you know, behind the scenes type of a deal. Um, so, Nate, what did you think about Admiral Vance asking Michael to violate her orders? 
well, that was actually one of my uh, positives, uh, which uh, there weren't very many for this episode uh, for me. Uh, I did appreciate the fact that he did go, hey, you know, this is this is I want you to do, but uh, the way he says it, he lets her know that he's got her back, and if necessary, he's going to take the fall for it. So I, I did I did appreciate uh, him saying that, and that's that's what a good superior officer should do, uh, especially if he's going against the grain there of what uh, his superior had uh, said. So I, that is one of my very few positives of this episode. So I loved it. Yeah, I thought that was a good scene. I, I, I like that a lot. And uh, President Rillick, you know, she comes in, you know, and just goes off on Burnham, goes off on, on Admiral Vance about Booker. How could you guys not know this? And, you know, you're going to destroy everything we've, we've worked on. And, and the prototype got stolen for the spore drive. Uh, Eric, what did you think about uh, President Rillick's stance in this episode? Well, it continues to be one of my favorite characters in the show. Uh, I thought she was completely justified in what she was saying. I think her, you know, as the public face of the Federation of an organization that's trying to centuries of decline, um, she's got a lot of standards to hold up, and, and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure on her. So I really like the way that she kind of takes both uh, both and Vance task and is like, listen, guys, I have to be able to count on you, and and you screwed up, and I need you to fix it. Um, so I, I totally dug that, and I like that Vance um, does go off on the side and talk to them about that stuff too. Talks about the, the era and what it takes place. Everybody's willing to, you know, bend the rules just a little bit. Not not that Star Trek doesn't bend the rules. It does bend the rules on a regular basis. Maybe this is just another example of it. Yeah, I, I thought she was a very strong character in this episode. And uh, I think the highlight, I think, that stole this particular episode was Joanne Owow Owushikan. And Shannon, what did you think about her big scene in this episode? I always liked her, but we didn't get to see a lot of her. I love her. Like, she's awesome. Yeah. She's like, no, yeah. I got it, I got it, trust me, I got it. And she does. <laughs> yeah, if you remember uh, in season mm-hmm. two, she had that big episode where she beams down to the uh, church with Captain Pike mm-hmm. and she jimmies the lock open. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was her, you know, her, her first away team. But then in this one, uh, she goes down to, the, to uh, 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 the Karma Barge with Burnham. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets in the ring and, and has mm-hmm. a big fight with this big dude. And she gets her butt kicked twice, but mm-hmm. then she comes back with a vengeance. And uh, it, it was great to see mm-hmm. her actually save an episode. And, and I, I particularly enjoyed the conversation that she had with Tarka while Burnham was off doing her thing with Book. And she has this little mm-hmm. conversation with Tarka about why, why are you doing this? And I thought that, that we got a lot of insight into this character in this particular yeah. episode. I really, I really enjoyed that. And uh, just, we can also I, have, can, oh. I, can I just mention, I also love very clearly where I got this scene, but the scene with her and Burnham in the shuttle, 
where Burnham describes to her why she brought her. Oh, like, listen, you can understand why you bring me. And Burnham, as a good captain, recognizes that captain on the screen she can't do anything so she recognizes that and decides to take on mission to give her an opportunity to exercise she needs to be able to exercise to feel like she's being useful and that to me is one of the best parts about this episode it's how Burnham recognizes what her crew needs and provides the opportunities for for them it's also what the leader does oh absolutely um, yeah I agree completely I want to bring up a point also. Ready Room had an interesting conversation with the writer in this episode. And they sat there and said, oh, they were at Star Trek Las Vegas in the room, Mm -hmm. and somebody asked a question to some of the cast members. I think sort of the question would be, what would it be your dream scene? And the writer she sat there and was jotting all these answers down. <laughs> and this was actually came from from the actor who played Oh Wow actually talked about this. This scene oh, actually came from a suggestion at a Star Trek Las Vegas convention. So cool. <laughs> and, and like, I also you're think you're listening to the fans. You're listening to the fans cool on that. that um, that Burnham, if you guys remember, the first time that we, when Pike comes on the ship in season two, he makes a point of calling out each individual officer by their name and making a point of knowing who they are. And when he gets mm-hmm. to her, he refers to her as, oh, wow. And oh, that's the only time. What he calls oh, her. right. Yeah. That's the only oh, time we yeah. really ever hear someone use that. But Burnham used that in this episode. Yeah, Which I, I think that, that is that's definitely her official nickname, Owu. There are a few people. I think Detmer called her Owu once as well. So that I think that's a thing on the ship. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So I wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was interesting in this episode, an interesting dynamic, is the Booker Burnham dynamic. And uh, Booker tore a page out of Burnham's book and went completely rogue against everybody, mm-hmm. which Burnham did a lot yep. in the beginning of Discovery. And now she had that turned around on her. And now Booker's doing the rogue and she has to go after him. But you see that the relationship, um, uh, I, I think, is still strong because they do help each other to defeat the the uh, Emerald Chain people. I, I don't I don't even think they were given a name in the episode, but the other two card players that represented the Emerald Chain, they worked together to beat them. And when when the uh, boxer pulled the knife on Burnham, Booker shows up out of nowhere, beats the crap out of the guy to save Burnham. So um, mm-hmm. even though they're at odds with each other over this particular thing, and we don't know what happens, I don't know what happens in tonight's episode because I haven't watched it yet. I haven't yet either. I I try to avoid it so that I don't answer my own questions. But Charles, I wanted (laughs) to ask you about the Booker Burnham thing, and you know where do you see their relationship going after Burnham says to him, "If you take the Isolinium, you'll be crossing a line that you cannot come back from," and Starfleet will use 
everything at their means to come after you, and I will be one of those tools they will use. Where do you think that's going to go with Booker and Burnham, and do you think they, they can come back from this? I think it's going to be hard to tell. I have a feeling they will get back together, but we got to see what happens first. There's going to be a big hurdle that's going to have to happen to get that trust back from Booker. I think it's a wait-and-see deal. I think he may come back, but he's got to come – well, he sort of has to come back. we got to have our grudge doses in there. But well, I think if you remember what he does to get – he gave yeah, grudge to to um, to Burnham, so yeah. grudge, grudge is still on the discovery. I don't know who's taking care mm-hmm. of Grudge while Burnham's gone because Tilly's not there anymore. But someone's taking care of Grudge. <laughs> yeah. Somebody somewhere it's probably uh, Saru. <laughs> yeah, Saru is probably taking care of. Yes, exactly. So uh, another thing that I thought was really good about this episode, something that that. Um, has been building up over the course of all these, the, the years that it's been on is the Saru Burnham relationship. And it, it kind of reminds me a lot of the Kirk Spock from, from TOS or maybe Riker Picard. Um, I think to me, the Saru and Burnham thing, they're, they're, it's more like a, a, maybe a brother and a sister type of relationship. And Eric, what, what do you think is, is going on there with, with Saru and Burnham. Well, at this point, they just understand each other so well that I think they're the perfect complement. Uh, I mean, when Burnham is wondering whether she's doing the right thing, I think the first person she goes to is Saru. And, you know, she asks him in this episode, am I too close to this situation? And I think Saru provides good counsel. He's like, yeah, you're real close to it, but also you're the only one who can do this, which is maybe one of the reasons that uh, that people are kind of like, okay, Burnham's once again the only one reason that you know anything can happen. But I really like their relationship. I think Saru provides good counsel to her on regular bases, and it's just because they've been through so much together. Yeah, I think they've they've grown to know each other so well through the course of time that I think they're, they, they just know what each other is thinking before, before they, they uh, think it. So that's pretty cool. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Nate, I, I wanted to ask Nate uh, particularly about this next one in this particular episode. Um, there's a changeling running around that Booker and Tarka have to capture. And uh, at one point it turns into a triple and takes off across the floor turns into a giant fish guy with blinking eyes. It turns into different things through the episode. But at the end, when they finally capture it, it actually does turn into a, um, a changeling, an Odo-looking changeling, which, which to me is signaling that, you know, the producers of Discovery are saying to us as fans, yes, this is a changeling, and they made it look like Odo, uh, with with a different hairdo, but it's it's distinct. It's absolutely positively a Dominion changeling, without a shadow of a doubt. This a isn't founder. a changeling like we saw, right? A founder. This isn't a changeling like we saw in Star Trek Six. This is actually a founder uh, because they they made it a point of pointing that out to us. So Nate, what did you think about about 
seeing a founder. And do you think that this maybe is leading to something more in the future? Uh, well, you're bringing up the fact that how much uh, it looked, the makeup looked like Odo. Uh, but with Odo, he, uh, if I remember correctly, he did his best to look human. Uh, but with the other founders, they didn't look, their makeup didn't look like Odo. They were, um, their faces weren't as distorted, if I remember correctly. Yeah, is, is that correct? No, no. The main female changeling looked almost identical to to Odo and DSI. Oh, okay. We'll see, I'm misremembered then. Um, but they so they could is, perfectly repli- if, They could perfectly replicate a human if they chose to, though. The Odo tries to explain it in DSI at some point. Talks about the amount of effort that it takes to kind of remain in one human-esque form versus what it, the amount of effort it takes to like do really each human form. So that's why they always turn out news, even though, of course, that's a human form. Right. So what do you think, Nate? Do you, what, what did you think about us seeing a change of a founder, basically? Uh, well, if it is a founder, that's, uh, that's uh, pretty cool that they brought them back because we still have yet to see any Klingons in the future. It's like the Klingons don't exist except for a reference to them in this episode. Uh, so it's, uh, it, you know, that, that's what I, I, I think it's cool that they're bringing back past races because Star Trek uh, should be using, uh, I mean, it's nice to add new races, but they should be using the, the plenty of wellspring of, of species that are in the, uh, in the Star Trek universe. Now, there, there was a Ferengi in the bar. I noticed uh, playing Dabo or something in the bar. We did see a Ferengi, which I thought was pretty cool. But I found the, 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 the founder to be more interesting myself because we don't know what happened after DS9 to the founders. They haven't been mentioned on Picard, so we don't know really, but but now we know that in the future, they're hanging out. They're hanging around, and they're cheating at cards, so I just wanted to get your take on that. And and something else that I wanted to mention about this episode, and we're, yeah, we're going to go over, guys. There's nothing we can do. We had a lot of guests, so that happened. There'd be a little bonus show, I guess. So, uh, another relationship I wanted to talk about, I wanted to touch on was Stamets and Culber. Now we get to see Culber dealing with, with Booker, was it two episodes ago? Uh, and we've, he's been trying to deal with his, his problem. He's been so concerned with dealing with the rest of the crew that Kovic reminds him that he needs to take care of himself or he'll be on the other side of the table. And we've seen Culber change from chief medical officer to a Deanna Troy-esque type of a role now where he's, he's more of a ship's counselor than he was a doctor. So he's, he feels responsible for the fact that he didn't catch the signs that Booker was going to take off and do this. And he feels guilty about it. And he feels guilty that Adira left. And, um, okay. The one th- I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Nate here. Um, the one thing about the scene that this that, that kind of bothered me, that kind of made me go, what, 
was he spraying a bottle of 409 on the table and washing it with a with a towel and I was that kind of pulled me right out of the whole thing um but as but, a minor Samus actually mentions he's like why are you doing that the rope is clean for us <laughs> yeah so which I thought was, was just, I thought was really cool that the robot comes out as soon as they leave and starts cleaning I thought that was pretty cool well yeah and of course the moment where the robot tries to come out to take over from <laughs> Culber and he's like go back to your dock <laughs> yeah means, because you yeah. you, you, you Someone has to clean the ship, <laughs> right? Okay, so, Jim, I will acknowledge that there was one tiny, tiny little moment. So there's a moment when he, after he uses the spray bottle where he starts talking to Stamets, and he sort of bumps the little side table that's between the two rooms that he's been cleaning, and you see the whole thing is not solid. It just sort of moves, and the bottle on the table, you know, teeters a little bit. Okay, now technical filmmaking side uh, aside here. What a amazing uh, scene. I mean, I, this is one of my favorite scenes in this episode, honestly, because everybody in their life, whether you admit it or not, has a moment where you sort of start to freak out and you're like, oh, my God, huh? what's going on? And if you're lucky, you have somebody in your life, whether it's a friend or a partner or a kid or whatever, helps to pull you out of that tailspin. And what and you see that happen in this particular scene see how Stamets, with love, is able to pull Culber out of his little tailspin that he's in and kind of refocus him and, and get him to be like, okay, yeah, no, I do need to take a break. I do need to, like, go hit the holodeck for a little while. Let's go take a walk and smell some flowers. And I think that we all could take that advice that every once in a while, when you start freaking out and you don't know what's going on in life, take a break, man. Go to the holodeck. Go smell some flowers. It'll be good for you. Or have some Star Trek wine. Also a well, possibility. That's it. <laughs> also, I'm kind of freaking out that we're going overtime. This is so exciting. Yeah, we, yeah well, <laughs> we had a Beyond lot of the guests. Galactic barrier. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and I also wanted to mention something um, that I, I've, I've noticed the absence of Tilly. And the reason why yeah. I've noticed the absence of Tilly isn't so much – because of the absence of Tilly, of the hole that she, that is there, but the reason why I've noticed the absence of Tilly is because of the um, uh, the emergence of Stamets. I think is the, is the best way to put it, um, because Stamets was always had Tilly to play off of, and Tilly was always there with Stamets. And yeah, we know we're going over. Stop telling me that. Um, Stamets and Tilly were always. <laughs> always there and Stamets was always the straight guy to Tilly. And now now Stamets is is, is becoming more um help me out here, Eric. What's the word I'm looking for? Um well well he, he's not the I I think he's actually they're adding a little bit of depth to his character because now he's not just the snarky one in the corner anymore. He's the one who's actually like learned some stuff and I think he's just a little bit more developed. It's not the straight man, but it's a, and I don't think he's a joker either. Like I just think that he is deeper than he used to be. Yeah, he, he's yeah, getting I think more kind of supporting character, I guess. Yeah, he's he's got more to do, and he has to hold the entire engineering bubble. Okay, sometimes Jet Reno shows up from time to time, but 
Uh, it used well, to be Tilly and him. And now what you're constantly, yeah, it's it's those two. And what you're constantly noticing, Jim, is that on this show, every character. I don't know if you're noticing this in the way it's being written, but every character is always being used to bring out the best in other characters. So it's that that whole like idea of you know togetherness and all that sort of stuff that they said they wanted to focus on in season four i think it's really coming through and you're getting your best burnham because you have people next to her who are helping her out and you're getting your best stamets because you have people next to him who are helping him out and that kind of thing i really like that about this season there's just a lot of camaraderie and there's one character though that that has been missing a lot and that's detmer um, yeah, I mean, it, it's true, but I don't think we're done. I think she's coming. Yeah, I don't know if the if the actress uh, got COVID and couldn't, I don't know. But uh, Detmer has strangely been absent for quite a few episodes now. Yeah, but they've been um, focusing on these micro stories, too, that really only focus on a couple of people. So uh, it, we haven't seen, I mean, we haven't seen Bryce. We haven't seen Reese seen any of those kind of other bridge crew at all um, the story is so focused on these kind of two storylines you know they probably will show up uh i actually think the show is doing a decent job of developing these characters but they, they got to do it one at a time you know we got a little bit of owu last season learned a little bit about her and now we get a little bit more about owu season so they're slowly developing these characters i think and we still have we still have another we have another Freaks episode coming up soon, too, and we still, we know that'll be a good one because everyone he directs seems to be top-notch. Go ahead, Shannon. I say a couple of episodes ago, we got to see Detmer do the donut with the spaceship. Yep. That's right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I yep. <laughs> Which I have to say, whenever I remember that episode, I remember, and Jim's not going to love this, I remember this episode of The Orville where they talked about, uh, the pilot there talked about riding the donkey. Where he had this like weird move that he did with the spaceship. That's what she did, man. She rode the donkey. <laughs> she she did. <laughs> the donut because it's classier. Okay. That's right. That's... <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I um now let's talk a little bit about uh, the Karma Barge itself. Um, it kind of looked it kind of looked like like. Uh, like the promenade from Deep Space Nine, if you noticed, yep. there was circular windows around the top, and it may, immediately made me think of quarks. Did anyone else get that feel? <laughs> yeah. No? I mean, not I necessarily. So. I, I did think that the way that you got into it was incredibly cool. Oh, the, the giant holographic yeah. monster? Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody remember from Ready Room where they got this uh, room from? Yeah, they they built it from scratch, I believe, didn't they? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Remember back in the beginning of the season, the space station that got attacked. Oh, the one that was upside the one that was upside down, where they were on the ceiling. This, yes, this was that same stage. Oh, weird. <laughs> oh, cool. But you got that round effect. That's the same thing. That 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 stage had the that scene had the same form, that rounded form, and they just recycled it to 
And I was like, oh, that, that's an interesting way of reusing a set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. Absolutely. Oh, well, what did you guys think about the poker game? <laughs> David, what did you I think about the, the poker game? I thought the cards were really cool. You know, I was looking at the cards, and I'm thinking, how are they playing poker with two cards? And, and and she has a straight flush with only two cards. I'm like, where's the rest of the cards to make up the flush? I, mean, no, was I like, was trying to figure well, out. The, it was like, the it was dealer like had the cards. Yeah, it was like Texas Hold'em where the dealer had a whole bunch of cards out. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I was looking at the cards. the poker game, I thought it was okay. I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to figure out the cards, and I'm like, I couldn't figure out the cards. <laughs> so but I, I did. Go ahead, Jim. I, I did. I did like. I did like the way um, Booker and Burnham got together and said, "Look, we can't let the Emerald Chain get the Isolinium, and uh, the odds can be changed." And they changed them. So yeah, I mean. To me, that scene, I don't know. I kind of want to really like that scene, but it it just didn't really resonate for me. The First of all, the two Orion folks uh, just weren't believable. Like, they didn't I, – I, I never felt once felt threatened by them or like they were really bad guys or anything. So I didn't love that. I did like at the very end, and I will tell you that I, I just – I'm struggling with Booker a little bit because I loved his character and right now they're making him so hardline. They're giving him no emotion. It's like he's completely shut down and I know it's because he's still in pain about Quajan and I hope that people who are watching it kind of still understand that because this is not the Booker that we know and love. This is a hardline Booker who is not acting rationally right now um, and I, I hope that he then will have kind of a recovery arc <laughs> this season because um, it's tough right now man seeing him just like basically to burn him be like you know i heard everything you said and i'm still thing you know he just doesn't really care mm-hmm. uh, well there were times where booker had this like almost 180 degree turn where he's like going to do something else because during the scenes of that episode he was just like am i really doing the right thing you know, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, nope, he's going back to what he was going to do in the first place, or he's going to go get the isolinium and <clears throat> try and discover mm-hmm. where the uh, DMA is hostile or not. So I thought for an instant he was going to turn 180 on that episode, but I guess not. Well, he does have a problem. He has no queen to lead him. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. So, uh, yeah. So overall, I I really like the way it ended, as well. We're back. We're going to go back to Vance, and we're going to go back to Rillick. When uh, Burnham comes back, and she tells Vance and Rillick, "Hey, I I I lost the uh, Isolinium, and I lost Booker. Oh, but here's the star map <laughs> of the aliens, and." Uh, <laughs> President Rillick's like, I'm very disappointed in you that you, you always find a way to bend the rules and and work your way through a loophole. And this time uh, you failed. And she's like, oh, did I? 
bing, and she throws it <laughs> off the map. <laughs> oh, uh, there's that. Booker. <laughs> oh, I was like, in your face. <laughs> and then they go back and they uh, they show you the scene where she goes to inspect the isolinium mm-hmm. and she pulls a Spock. And she puts the tracker on there like Spock slapped it on Kirk's back <laughs> in Star Trek Six. <laughs> and so I thought at the end she kind of redeemed herself and Vance all with one slick move. I thought that was that was really cool. You know, Vance gave me kill two birds with one stone. I give it back to two birds with one yep, stone. Exactly. <laughs> it's like wham. There you go. Well. <laughs> Well, the thing is, you talk about the president kind of doing, well, I, I didn't expect you to do this. And it's like, yes, but doesn't the president bend the rules herself? Burnham yeah. didn't, need me, didn't, need me at that, didn't need to be at that council meeting, yet she was there. Burnham didn't need to be at the vote, she was there. I think the president's kind of bending stuff to her own way. And it's like, well, other people can do the same thing. I think just exactly. throws her off. It's like, oh, somebody's playing my game. Yep. I think that's why the president is uh, warming up to uh, Burnham pretty easily because they kind of act the same. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to like this president. And I really like Admiral Vance. He's not your typical admiral that, we, that we're used to seeing. Oh, well, you're seeing you mean, not a bad guy? Yeah, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> well, you're seeing, you're seeing character development in Vance, too, right? Because you remember that uh, when we started out, he did not trust Burnham. He gave her the smackdown, kind of told her what to do, you know, this and that. And you can tell that over the last many episodes, he's gaining trust in Burnham. And over the last season, I should say. And, uh, and now that he's gaining that trust in this episode, we actually see him come to him for the first time in sort of a vulnerable way. He does not look comfortable. He's kind of like irritated and something has to be done and is telling him something else. Maybe this is a good question. Is the Federation president, I assume, is like the American president in that they are the commander in chief of the military? Is that the vibe you guys get? So it looks like. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. So, so she well, is Vance's well, let's so let's, let's go back. Let's go back to Star Trek Six. In Star Trek Six, when they have the Starfleet meeting about the Klingons, and they talk to the CNC, uh, the Commander in Chief. It's not the Federation president that gives them that order. It's the head, the Chief of Starfleet. Um, and every time we've seen the Federation president in Star Trek, we saw him in Star Trek Four, standing at the podium there. Um, and then we see we see the president in Deep Space Nine a couple of times and stuff like that. But so I don't know if the if the I, Federation president is actually the CNC of Starfleet, at least not from what has uh, been shown. I, Nate, what do you I think? I have a feeling. Yeah, I have a feeling this Star, this Starfleet president is different because after the burn, everything fell off, and so I guess the president is actually taking charge of more and more. Uh, responsibilities, I guess. And so now it might seem different. I kind of see what Eric is talking about here, where at a, if you're looking at it at this point of view where everything just crumbled and the Federation pretty much gone, the president probably had to step in and 
basically to take control and probably why she's a little different. That's how I see it. Yeah, that could that could be. I mean, this is hundreds and hundreds of years in the future from what we're used to seeing, so that's totally possible. But based on what we've seen in Star Trek up to now, I think that the the, the federate the Federation president and the chief of Starfleet are two different positions. Yeah, I think. I think they're, two they're two different organizations. Right. Yeah, the Federation is one organization. Starfleet is a separate organization. And right. I think in this point right. now, they may have been more of a merger because there's there's been such a gap there. And they need that support yeah. from both. From both. I could buy. I completely buy that. I could buy that totally. So, guys, this is why we're going to have another podcast, uh, <laughs> possibly two. <laughs> Nate and I are gonna are working on a Star Trek Online uh, type of a thing, and then and then Eric and I are working on a Sunday Overflow show, and we'll always have Trek talking on Thursday night. Right now, where we'll have our guest speakers, and our our main body of the show will be on Thursday night. So our fans gave this episode a 7.8. Nate, what do you give this episode? Scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best. Four. Four, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. David, what do you give it? 1 to 10, 10 being the best. I'm giving it a 6. A 6, okay. Shannon, 1 to 10. 7.5. 7.5. All right. Charles, 1 to 10. 8.2. 8.2. Okay, Eric, mm-hmm. 1 to 10. I'm going to go with that 6. 6, I'm going to go with a 9. And uh, wow. that wraps up the show, guys. We're, we, we're, we are over, actually, but that's okay. We had fun. This I want to take this opportunity. Um, what, all these other what's uh, our average? you guys are planning to do on Sundays and whatnot, what time do they start? Um, uh, let's see. Eric, what did we decide for Sunday? <laughs> uh, I think that we decided that I was going to do, I think it was 4.30. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's normal podcast. I don't know. We'll double check. I think it's 4.30. Yeah. I'll, I'll get uh, it. It'll be on your coast. Yeah. It'll be on the <laughs> Facebook page as soon as uh, we'll get it posted in, uh, on our Facebook page. So you'll you'll be well aware of it. And Nate and I haven't really actually decided on a Star Trek Online uh, date and time yet, but we will. And when we do, yeah, um, we'll get that we'll get that posted on the Facebook page for sure. Um, so Thanks, I want to say I, I want I've got a lot of people to thank here. So <laughs> I want to take an opportunity to say thank you to Paul for doing the fireside chat for the Star Trek Wine segment with Eric. Thank you so much, Paul. You did a great job. I want to say thank you to Rob Perlman for hanging out and talking about the Book of Grudge with us. Thank you so much to Rob Perlman, and we'll definitely have to have him back again when the new book comes out. Uh, I want to say thank you so much to Craig Spurrier um, uh, from Star Trek Wines as well uh, for providing us, well, providing Charles, I mean, Eric and Paul with Eric. the full armada for uh, to test those out. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, who else? I got to say thank you to Ray for giving us a call. Thank you to Shannon for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you. Thanks for letting me come on. 
Oh, you're you you are welcome anytime. We always have a, a chair at our table for you. And also want to say thank you to uh, Nate for hanging out with us and uh, Trek talking. And we didn't get a chance to do the Star Trek online story that we were planning, uh, but we will either do that on the next one or on our special Star Trek online podcast, or maybe on our Sunday show, but we definitely will get around to that, Nate. So thank you so much for hanging out and Trek talking with us, Nate. Yeah, no, no problem. Maybe I'll send the the, uh, the news article and you can post it on the Facebook page in the meantime. Yes, that's a great idea. We'll get we yes, guys. We'll get that on our Facebook page. You guys can look for that on our Facebook page. And thank you to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. It, it always is, isn't it? Trek talking is great. <laughs> Thursday night keeps me going. <laughs> Gives me a, looking forward to Friday. <laughs> and, of course, thank you so much to uh, Charles for hanging out in Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Well, the week I had, I said today, it's like TTT, Trek talking Thursday. Cause That's right. Thursday and be ready Terrific Thursday, thrilling Thursday, Trek talking Thursday, <laughs> new Star Trek Thursday, all wrapped up in one. <laughs> And of course, I want to say thank you so much. (laughs) Star Trek Thursday. I want to say thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us and for for the uh, fireside chats. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, you bet, guys. Thanks very much. And listen, guys, I apologize for going over a little bit, but we we had to. We had a lot to talk about. This episode had a lot to cover, and we did have a lot of guest stars to talk to. And uh, we will get all these podcasts all worked out. I'll have all of the information posted on our Facebook page for you guys, so keep an eye out for that. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying thank you to each and every single one of you guys, particularly that dude down in Australia, uh, for listening to us and supporting us and helping us make it to 90,000. Um, it's, wow. It still blows my mind when I think about that, but thank you so much. Uh, I can't tell you how much it means. To all of us that you guys take the time to listen to us. That's just incredible. Thank you so much. And without any further ado, it's getting late here in Vermont. I got to get up at 530 to go to work. So I just want to say to everybody, please be good to each other and stay safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage.